Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It is incitement to violence ahead of an election. Go ahead, prove me wrong. That's what we're seeing from the political left. That's what we're seeing from Joe Biden himself, from the people who work with him, from the people who work around him. I'm going to prove my case. Feel free to disagree. Tony Katz, that's me. Hey, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. That is the number. 833-GOT-TONY. I will prove my case. I come with receipts. And let's start where, well, it didn't start here, but let's, let's call it the place that we start. And it's Joe Biden talking about how he doesn't respect these MAGA Republicans. What's happened is, what's happened is, there are, no, there are not many real Republicans anymore. By the way, your sitting governor, he's a Republican you can deal with. We disagree. No, no, I'm serious. But at least he's within the mainstream of the Republican Party. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. These semi-fascists. I swear to you, no one knows what semi-fascist is. It's just nonsense. But he said it. He said the words. And if you go about speaking to any of his people, they're all totally fine with this idea of semi-fascist. Corinne Jean-Pierre speaking to Don Lemon. She's not saying, well, he should have, he meant this or he meant that. No, she's doubling down. Lowering the energy uh, uh, costs, making sure that we have this historic uh, 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 legislation for to really deal with climate crisis. All of these things are important. Standing up for women. And they are. Corrine, I want to get to all those things. With with all due respect. But but we have a short time. I'm going to get to all those things. But I just, if you'll answer my question, we can get to those things. I am. What exactly is semi-fascism? Don, I was just about to get to your question. Okay. I really was. But right. I want to, you, you brought me on the show for a reason, and I have to talk about I it. I understand that. I just have tonight. limited Wait. time with you. I just want to make well, sure we get well, all the by, by having this back and forth, we're actually taking away from the time. So here we go. Um, so what we are seeing from Republicans and what we have seen uh, from, from Republicans <clears throat> these past several years is that they are attacking our democracy. Uh, they are taking away our freedom. Uh, and they are trying to uh, put on the chopping blocks Medicare and Social Security. That's what we are seeing. And it's being done. If you look at the Republican Party, it's being done by this element, this MAGA element of the Republican Party. And that's what we are trying to prevent. First, she's unbelievably rude. Second, you see, proof, fascism. There it is right there. Now, I am somebody who will tell you that fascism isn't actually a political ideology. Fascism is a tool utilized by multiple political ideologies. The idea of the violence, uh, the threats, uh, that's absolutely a tool. Communists use it. Socialists use it. So the left and the right can utilize fascism as a tool, and I believe that to be exactly what it is. 
right now it is a tool being utilized by the left to try and not only demonize the right, but to gin up the left for violence. Now you say to me, yeah, but Tony, January 6th, and I'll say to you, January 6th was wrong. And so was every riot across the country in Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland and my beloved Indianapolis and everywhere else. It's all wrong. So a January 6th commentary doesn't change reality. I told you I come with receipts. I don't lie about these things. So let's get into receipts. Let's start with the Democratic nominee for governor, the very sad Charlie Crist, tripling down on Joe Biden and uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre doubling down on this idea that Republicans are fascists. To President Biden, you have said you want him to come campaign with you in Florida. So it does matter uh, what the president says and how you view it. So again, let me just ask you, um, what do you think about the president calling millions of Americans semi-fascist? Listen, he's got to express and be honest about what he feels in his heart and his soul. And I think that's probably exactly what he did. Oh. Well. Do not. That's a take. So you're not, you're not even trying to spin it either. This was the president being honest in his heart and his soul. I'm so old, I remember when he was going to unify the country with his whole soul. Now he's called half the country fascist, and that is also from his soul. Dear Lord, Democratic Party, figure it out, won't you? I take you now to Colorado, where you have the Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold, no relationship to Chevy Chase. Saying that the Republicans plan to attack America's right to vote if they win the midterms. Here's the statement. It was an interview with The Guardian. What we can expect from the extreme Republicans running across this country is to undermine free and fair elections for the American people. Strip Americans of their right to vote. Refuse to address security breaches and unfortunately be more beholden to Mar-a-Lago than the American people. The president is referring to half the country as fascists. The semi part is, you know, just window dressing. A Democrat running for governor agrees. The press secretary agrees. And the secretary of state nominee is aggressively trying to scare people in the state of Georgia that if you vote for Republicans, they're going to steal your right to vote which, of course, was their argument for how dare they change the laws in Georgia. It's going to keep people from voting, and more people came out and voted. Calling people fascists, getting people to believe that if you vote for this group of people, they're going to take away your rights based on nothing more than, well, real nothingness, certainly nothing that has to do with, with facts or with data or with legislation. They are ginning up the violence. They're ginning up the violence. You have the DNC chair, Jamie Harrison, asked about semi-fascist. Refer to the MAGA, Make America Great Agenda, as almost like, quote, semi-fascism. You heard the president's inaugural address the same way I did. In that inaugural address, President Biden said we should not 
view each other as adversaries in this country, but as neighbors, and we should treat each other with dignity and respect. How does semi-fascism, as a label for the Republican Party, fit with that inaugural address? Well, the one thing that President Joe Biden has been has always been consistent. And he has always been somebody who does what my grandfather used to do, which is speak it plain, say it plain to the American people. Mr. Chairman, earlier this week, the president referred to the mag. Sorry, I just got uh, so lost in the nonsense of that answer from the head of the DNC that I I didn't even know what, what to do with myself. Joe Biden, as Major Garrett explained there on Face the Nation, said that he was going to unify. Then he calls half the country fascist. And what does the Democratic chair say? Biden has always been consistent. Why? Because you got to say it plain. So let there be no question as to whether or not the Democratic Party agrees with Joe Biden in calling 71 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump a fascist, including, I I guess, me and my wife and my 75-year-old mother and my 84-year-old father. Fascists. It's a hell of a take. The purpose of doing so is to, without question, Engage and stoke fear in the election. To try and make a claim that if somehow they should lose some of the election, well, this is improper, well, this is wrong, maybe engage people to be a lot more violent at polling places. Nothing about this, nothing about this is about saying we've got free and fair elections in the United States. This is about putting a thumb on a scale. The New York Times is totally in on this because the New York Times has called for Donald Trump to be indicted. For what? For what? Mr. Trump's unprecedented assault on the integrity of American democracy requires a criminal investigation. The FBI lied about Russia, Russia, Russia. The IRS has gone after American citizens utilizing their law, utilizing their power like a cudgel. And just recently, I'm saying leaked the tax returns of Nikki Haley to Politico. And it's Trump that has engaged in assault against the American integrity of the American democracy. I have got Secretary of State candidates in Colorado saying that if you elect Republicans, you'll lose the right to vote. I've got the president of the United States calling half the country fascist, but it's Trump? Bitch, please. Have we lost our damn minds? Can we breathe for a moment? Can we catch ourselves in the nonsense? Can we just take a look around and note that it's simply untrue? I don't claim perfection for Trump. I don't claim Trump is innocent of all things. But if everything is about Trump and nothing is about anything else, then you don't have a society. You don't have a rational, decent, valuable society. What you have is well, what we've got now. A Democratic Party that's ginning up anger and I'm arguing uh, uh, a, a, a growing call to violence 
to protect the integrity of the elections. The uh, editorial board of the Times writes the disturbing details of his post-election malfeasance, meticulously assembled by the January 6th committee, leaves little doubt that Mr. Trump sought to subvert the Constitution and overturn the will of the American people. No, it does not. If you want to argue that Trump handled uh, January 6th poorly, I will agree with you. And I believe that the vice president should have been protected and aggressively and the president should have moved faster and immediately to make that happen. Don't tell me that the White House that the White House couldn't do anything, that it was up to Speaker Pelosi to protect the Capitol. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when the riot took place. Guys, don't argue the things that are not arguable. The president writes to the New York Times, defeated at the polls in 2020, tried to enlist federal law enforcement authorities, state officials, and administrators of the nation's electoral system in a furious attempt to remain in power. When all else failed, he roused an armed mob that stormed the Capitol and threatened lawmakers. That isn't what happened. But the New York Times doesn't care. Because the objective is to gin up the hate, to gin up the anger, to gin up the frustration, to make people feel that democracy is actually under threat from people who may disagree with them and prevent those people from having a voice. This is the call, the incitement to violence coming this election. I told you I brought the receipts, and I didn't even have to work hard at it. I didn't have to work hard at it at all. It's just... Right there. I found some audio. I read some stories. I'm like, wait a second. And I put it together. Joe Biden is advocating violence against those uh, who disagree with him. He is. He's doing what he's doing. He's advocating violence against those who disagree. Calling people fascists, not calling out the Secretary of State candidate or the New York Times for their commentaries. Oh, they're allowed to have them, but, you know, leaders should call them out because they want to bring down the temperature. Not Joe Biden. He's okay with bringing it up. And his party is okay with bringing it up. And that's exactly what they're going to keep doing. Oh, I do not feel good about this coming election. I mean, I still think the House goes to Republicans. I've never thought the Senate goes uh, to Republicans. But are things going to get ugly? Gosh, I hope I'm wrong. But I think they will. I don't think I'm wrong. I'm Tony Katz. So they claim that it's gone for good now, but I have absolutely no faith or belief in this whatsoever. Tony Katz, great to be with you, Tony Katz, today. And we're talking about the Disinformation Governance Board. This was going to be in the Department of Homeland Security, and they were going to tell you what was true and what was false. Like, you know, for example, there's, there's no problem at the southern border. See, that's that 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 that's all totally true. There's there's no problem there whatsoever. Now the plan is to get rid of this thing 
once and for all. It's officially terminated. Uh, they announced uh, in a press release on the 24th that Alejandro Mayorkas has terminated the Disinformation Governance Board and rescinded its charter after a recommendation from the Homeland Security Advisory Council. Now, maybe it was the fact that the board is connected to people like George Soros and others, as people have been discussing. And I love when people say, you can't talk about George Soros. That's anti-Semitism. Um, people, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that you can absolutely, positively talk about George Soros. You should feel welcome to talk about George Soros because he's a bad dude with bad policies. And I don't even understand how he gets all his money. He's that much of a genius? I don't know about that. It is not anti-Semitic to note that he supports commie candidates and he's a jerk. It's not anti-Semitic. You're allowed sometimes people are Jewish and have terrible ideas and sometimes they're Christian and sometimes they're Muslim and sometimes they're black and sometimes they're white and sometimes Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight. Put it in there. You can talk about it. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's okay every now and then to note if somebody's Jewish, they're also just wrong or terrible. Jews in space! space. 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 I mean, he's not talking about space lasers, but he's still terrible. Do I believe that the disinformation governance board, which is the idea of the government telling you what is and isn't legit, do I believe it's going to come back? I have since the beginning. That you will see this folded into a piece of legislation somewhere. Someplace you will see this come back. Because this is what they want. If the FBI is so engaged in working with uh, social media companies and others to prevent misinformation, which is to say uh, engaging in, in, in thwarting and suppressing free speech and possibly putting their thumb on the scale in regards to elections, why would I not believe that they wouldn't want something like this, you know, for our protection? One of the differences between me and possibly you and many others out there is we don't believe that the government is protection. Government is force. The Constitution is our protection from that force. A lot of people don't like that. Those people, we have names for. Just can't say them on the radio. This is Tony Katz today. Can I wear your T-shirt and sleep on you while I dream? After careful consideration, I'm on the side of the landlords. Sorry. Sorry. I'm ready to fight about it. I'm cool. The abuse is just too damn much. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. TonyKatz.locals.com. So... It's another one of those stories that'll make you scream out loud about somebody who moves in and then never moves out. They don't pay rent. They, they, they're, they're able to just, you know, twist it and turn it and take advantage of the rules and take advantage of... And, and the rules, we should note, are created to hurt the landlord. 
the landlord has rights. The landlord isn't necessarily a slumlord. The landlord isn't some terrible person taking advantage of others. The landlord engaged their capital to purchase property that they then offer out to people who can't afford to buy the property but could afford to live there for a certain amount. That's called rent. If you want a situation where you have no landlords, well, that would mean the government owns all property and decides a rate that gets charged or doesn't get charged and gets paid for another way. And if the government were the ones giving all the places to live, may I ask who's going to be engaged in the upkeep of such properties? Landlords, in the main, are the ones who engage in that upkeep. Landlords want their property to be attractive to people so they can get the most value from it, which means they can charge the highest rent possible for that property, for that area, etc. The landlord is the enemy is one of the most despicable things out there. Part of the anti-capitalism that continues to exist. When you hear people talk about late-stage capitalism, no such thing. It's capitalism or it's nothing. I, don't tell me what an economist told you. Let's take a look at what it is we're saying. Anytime you engage some kind of descriptor of capitalism, you are changing the definition. Ergo, it is not the same thing that we're discussing. So, for example, if you're somebody who believes in justice, well, great, so am I. If you're somebody who believes in social justice, you and I are not on the same page. Economic justice, environmental justice, this, that, the other. Any descriptor added to the concept of justice is just another way of saying wealth redistribution because that's the only thing that comes of it. Social justice, economic justice, environmental justice, climate justice, how I don't know how they describe it now is about wealth redistribution. Everything would be better if somebody else got a check. Landlords are not the enemy. Owning property has allowed people of all stripes to build wealth. Rent has allowed people to have opportunities to live places they couldn't otherwise afford to live to then give themselves the opportunity to other things. The story is one of... Um, a person by the name of Kate Gladstone who in 2019 moved into an apartment owned by a Valentina Bahada. It was a two-room uh, uh, apartment. She moved into one of the rooms with her child paying $2,000 for the apartment. She had a room in the apartment and then used the common areas, paying $2,000 a, a, a month. Similar apartments in the neighborhood, according to the New York Post, can rent for $7,000 and up. I know what you're saying. How? Who? Why? Well, this is the West Village of New York. The West Village of New York is pretty dang expensive. I wouldn't spend this money to live in the West Village of, of New York either, just so we're all clear. So this woman, Gladstone, moves in. And the next thing you know, like a couple weeks later, it's like, hey, um, my mother is ill. She needs surgery. I'm going to need the room back. I'm so sorry. Gladstone's like, no, nah, and stop paying. Pay I, I don't think she paid the first month's rent. But if she did, she never paid rent ever again. So the, the apartment owner goes uh, to court to get her out. 
saying that the woman took over the living room, the bathroom, uh, the kitchen, wrote bizarre messages directly on the walls, removed smoke detectors, and accused her of stealing. So this is already the kind of situation where you're like, dear God, this is just the worst situation ever. Eventually, this woman Gladstone agrees to leave. March 31st, 2020. But what happened? Governor Andrew Cuomo, that lowlife, being supported by people like President Biden, the eviction moratorium was in effect. You couldn't evict somebody. It's COVID. If they walk the streets, everybody's going to die. So this woman, this garbage merchant, who wasn't paying rent for already a year, got to live in the apartment for another almost two years. Two years rent-free because you were protecting people. You weren't protecting people. You were taking away the rights of property owners. And for that, there is no forgiveness. So if I'm asked, I side with landlords. Do tenants have rights? I believe they have rights. Do they have the right to decide for uh for the landlord what they can and can't do with their own property? Absolutely positively not. None. Zero. And there is a hierarchy to these things. So let's let's break it down just a touch. The tenant does have rights, not more rights than the landowner who owns the place. Their rights come first. Do I think that a landlord is allowed to enter a property that's rented without notification? I do not. Could a landlord put in cameras in a property to keep an eye on it when there's somebody living there? I don't believe so. Are you entitled to the quiet enjoyment of the space that you rent? That would make sense to me. If you don't pay, can the landlord throw you out? Absolutely, and who gives a good holy damn about your excuses? I certainly don't. That doesn't make me unfeeling. That's a recognition that your excuses don't mean anything. They don't. Well, I'm out of a job. Well, I got injured. No, 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 no. Those might be horrible circumstances, and I can feel for you. But if the rent doesn't get paid, I can't feed my family. Why is your family more important? And why do we allow the societal push to say, screw the landlord's family? Ah, F them. What is this? What is this horrific way to treat somebody? The landlord has rights. The landlord has rights. Now, there is something else going on. And I think a lot of us saw this coming. A lot of us said, oh, there's going to come a moment where people are forced back into the workplace and these days of working virtually are over. That seems to have started in a lot of places. And part of it is that, you know, this landlord conversation of you have these people who own these office buildings, who rent out these office buildings and tens of thousands of square feet and they're empty. And downtowns are putting massive pressure on businesses and landlords say, get people back in here. We need them downtown. We need them eating downtown. We need to build a restaurant core. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to start looking like a city again. 
lot, a 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 lot of pressure. Jamie Dimon heads up J.P. Morgan Chase. And J.P. Dimon has started saying, you know what? We're done with this remote work stuff. He's been telling senior managers, as has been reported, that he expects the rank and file to be in their seats at the office five days a week. Now, the bank's official line is three days a week. Goldman Sachs a year ago said, hey, get back to the office five days a week, get it done. Now, you could say to me, what does this matter? As long as they get the work done, who cares? I think the argument here is that the work's not getting done. While there is pressure on these business owners to get people back, I think the reality is that the work's not getting done. Somebody had pointed this out to me well over a year ago, and I thought this was a a, a brilliant line. If we were to take a look during the COVID days and the remote work days and ask ourselves the following question, what answer would we get? How many people who were working from home called in sick? If you were working from home, how many people called in sick during the time they were working from home? Or did they bank all those sick days because if they wanted to take two hours off and put their feet up and watch some Netflix and chill, they could. After all, what was anybody going to do? They'd just have their laptop there and they'd type a couple things, you know, and they could do two things at once and it was cool. This is the question. I think if you went through it, you would see so many people who didn't call in sick, who never called in sick. They just took advantage of the opportunity. And I believe that if you take a look at the vast majority of business owners, they don't see an actual result from their from their remote work they're seeing less pro- productivity than more i say this as a guy well, i happen to be in studio today I, uh, I think this whole week i'm gonna be in in studio um i work from home i love working from home if i had to come back to the studio five days a week there'd be a real issue i mean a real issue uh, there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of discussion but i never once have been able to not Uh, have my productivity uh, be up to snuff, I'm on the air. It's five days a week. For me, it's 30 hours a week. It's six hours a day. You know I'm on or I'm not because it's it's binary. It's, It's like being pregnant. You either are or you are not. Tony is pregnant with radio. I'm giving radio birth five days a week. And sometimes I need an epidural, but I'm still getting through it, damn it. All the ladies, you understand, doing radio 30 hours a week, it's just like giving birth. Hold on. You can, you, can, you can hear the screams from here. I can feel the phone calls happening right now. I can just, uh, no, there, there are people who are not going to take that in the joking matter in which I meant that. There's, it's going to be very rough. Ryan, if I were you, I, w- I would not answer. I would not answer the phones. I, w- I, w- I would hold off. Or just go one after another. He's kidding. He's kidding. He's kidding. That's what I would do. 
But I do think that these business owners are right. And the conversation, just like on the conversation of, of, of landlords will come up, well, what right do they have? Who do they think they are? What do you mean, who do they think they are? I'm the one paying. I have the right to see a result. The evil of the leftist is the idea that that somehow they are a part of the company because they work there. Now, if you listen to people like Gary Vaynerchuk or others, they'll talk about empathy for employees. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And the recognition that an employee will never work as hard as you, you have to find the way to work with them. It's, 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 It's a philosophy. Certainly, it's a philosophy. But I must remind him that it is not everybody's philosophy. And it doesn't work for everybody. And it doesn't work for every employee. It is about a specific mindset, a specific person, et cetera. It really is. I don't believe that it's, it's universal because what actually is universal? You know, I actually believed before COVID that people want to be free. And then I saw COVID and I saw people joyfully and gleefully and willfully lock themselves in their home and await further instructions from their government. You tell me I have to wear a mask? Oh, absolutely. You tell me I have to vaccinate and boost and this and that? Oh, absolutely. You tell me I can't visit grandma while she's dying and I can only talk to her through a glass door? Oh, okay, absolutely. I mean, I saw it with my own eyes. So did you. Stunned, shocked, dismayed, disgusted, all the other uh, things you can put in there. The business owner can decide this is how I run my business and you can decide to work there or not. No one has the gun to your head. Gosh, I hope not. If my employer chooses that this is a certain way they want something done, I can choose whether or not I'm okay with that or not. Yes, just because you have the power to doesn't mean that there might not be some some hurt that you engage if you do go because you're losing out on dollars, etc. But we all make these kinds of decisions. Because you need to make these kinds of decisions. If this is the way J.P. Morgan wants to do it, go right ahead. I got no problem with that whatsoever. And I find it very strange, uh, the people who do, because having a problem with a business owner saying, this is the way I run my business, is telling them they don't get to decide how their business is run. That's dangerous. I'm Tony Katz. Twitter has once again banned libs of TikTok because Twitter hates you. It's it's remarkable. You don't know the libs of TikTok account. If you don't know it, allow me to help you. The libs of TikTok account shares videos that are public on TikTok and says, hey, look at this. They don't engage in any editing. They simply say, look at this insanity and people are like oh my gosh libs of tiktok they're attacking people they're attacking the transgender and they're attacking gay and they're attacking this and that no they're showing you videos that already exist from people who proudly made said videos 
And Twitter has decided uh, they have violated the rules against hateful conduct. You cannot trust these social media companies. It's why I'm leaving Facebook. I have made that decision. I know I've got a following there. So what? They don't let me talk. Screw them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. It is not real. What's real is connection. That's why we're moving everything over to locals. And yes, some of it is subscription. That's okay. You can do that part or not. It's totally up to you. But I'm not about to continue to benefit Facebook when they don't deserve it, any of these people. So we've been making the move. The move's getting finalized. There is much more to get to. And by the way, that's TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today.